We recording? Excellent. Welcome, welcome, welcome to, to the to the rated favorites. Favorites to the to the to underrated. The, to the, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the Underrated Favorites Podcast. My name is Rooster. And this is Dominique. And uh, this is Movies You Might Have Missed. So you want to explain what this podcast is all about, Dominique? Uh, Sure. On this podcast, we take a look at movies you might have missed. Not necessarily cult movies, but more so movies at least 10 years or older that we think are slept on and deserve revisiting and reexamination to uh, give them their flowers or their well-deserved roasting. If you're unfamiliar with the film we're discussing, we'll do a brief spoiler-free rundown before we dive in and spill all the beans. Roost, would you like to tell the people what movie we're talking about today? Today we are talking about the movie Garden State. Uh, yeah. Garden State is a 2004 romantic comedy written, directed, and starring Zach Braff of Scrubs fame. Braff plays Andrew, an emotionally stunted 26-year-old actor-slash-waiter full of ennui who returns to his hometown in New Jersey after his mother passes away. Uh, in this film, you also see Natalie Portman as Sam and underrated Peter Sarsgaard as Mark. That's Sarsgaard, not Skarsgaard, who we love, because we do We love. do love the Skarsgaard. We stand right? a Skarsgaard. all of them, yes. Uh, this film had a budget of 2.5 milli and made about 35.8 milli at the US box office. It has a 7.4 on IMDb and an 86% on Rotten Tomatoes and is currently streaming on HBO Max or Max as it is soon to be called because it, you know everything needs a rebrand in 2023. So uh before we kind of tell you how we feel about the film, uh Dominique, how do we rate our these films when we watch them? So our ranking system. At the very top, we have an underrated favorite. Yeah, 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 yeah. That means this movie is elite, and why more people haven't seen it is a travesty to the universe. Makes no sense. Give this film its flowers. Mm-hmm. The next level down, we have good but slept on. Yep, yep. This movie is a solid watch with some missteps and various reasons as to why people didn't catch it. Next, mid-tier we have Historically Mid. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Not bad, not bad, but, you know. This film didn't catch fire, probably because there were better movies out at the time, but it's definitely worth your attention. And then below that we have a good, bad movie. This movie is bad... To most, but also rings off in the hearts of a few movie-watching folks who love to talk about it. True. And then at the very bottom, bottom rung, we have the certified flop. Out of here. The movie is all and out bad. And likely cause for why no one's watching it or talking about it. True facts. So, now that we've gone over our ranks, Rooster... Where does this movie fall for you? We have a lot to discuss with this movie because honestly, there is, let me break it down. There, This movie rings true in the hearts of some fans who I think would obviously think that it is good but slept on. But I am going to say that history has done Garden State terribly and this is a flop deserving of a roast. Dominique, what about you? 
For me, I'm going to say that Garden State is a solid flop as well. Uh-huh. This movie, we're going to get into it exactly why, because I do think we have very different reasons for why it's where it's at for us. Mm-hmm. But uh, We're going to dive into 2004, people. Yeah, so uh, that is the end of our spoiler-free section. It is now time to rewind and pause. That means if you need to go watch that movie, hit the pause on this podcast, go watch it, and come right back. For everyone else who's seen it already, let's dive in. Let's get into it. I don't know where to begin. Should we begin with 2004 or should we just talk about where this movie is and the major themes of it? You you lead this. Let's, I'm going to ask you. So what is what are some of the major themes of, of the film? This movie's major theme is maybe we're fucked up in mid adulthood like or mid 20s and maybe our parents are to blame. And we're not sure why, but we know they're the culprits. I feel like this movie really hits that like, you know, that that millennial feeling of like uh, boomers projecting onto us and saying things like, you know, why didn't you achieve your potential or why didn't you do this and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, bro, you raise me, you know, like why, where are the participation trophies that everyone's getting? It's like y'all made the part- participation trophies. And I think that is kind of at the core of what this film is. And like I said at the top, emotionally stunted white dude, Zach Braff at the heart of this film uh, we're going to have to unpack a whole lot there. Uh, what about you? What were some of the major themes you, you kind of felt with this film? I would say that it is, um, I'll like agree with you, but in a different way. Sure. So I think a major theme of this film is like arrested development, but like excuses mm. for arrested development. Like it's totally okay that you are definitely still acting like a child, like with adult things but definitely behaviors of a child and it's okay like that's what makes you fun that's what makes life worth living right is these childlike moments but it's like there's a difference between like appreciating things as you would as a child and just immaturity it, mm-hmm, no absolutely and and to just kind of add to what you're saying drugs because when you like hit that part of adulthood where you're still sort of in arrested development where you don't know like what dream to chase or if you should trace a dream or be more practical or you're just sort of in flux with life as it were like maybe post-college uh there's just a lot of ecstasy cocaine and alcohol if you want it and zach braff kind of wants it i will say zach definitely wants it but I will say that uh, Andrew wasn't completely sold on it. Okay. I will say I will say that. So just shooting the actual character, mm-hmm. like the have Zach, who you know, written, directed, blah blah blah. Like he definitely um, was in support when he wrote and made this movie. But the character was, uh, I think. Um, a big part of that relationship with recreational drugs was his relationship with prescription drugs. And so I think that allowed him to have a bit more balance was, um, or have a little bit more concern with how he was going to use the recreational drugs, having been on prescription drugs since he was like, what, I think said nine? Yeah. Like his dad had him on like five scripts since nine. Mm-hmm. 
And also, parents are not allowed to be their children's psychiatrists. Like, right. that's literally conflict of interest. And if you are in a situation, reach out, call a hotline or something. <laughs> Get an Because app. it's not okay. <laughs> no, yeah, don't, don't let your parent be your psychiatrist. Also, I guess this is kind of the thing. We both think this movie is a flop in 2023. I will say this. At that sort of 2004 time period... I was maybe four or five years younger than Zach Braff was in this film. And I and and I know that this movie kind of rang off in a lot of people of that era's like lives. I also think this is the movie that launched a thousand hipsters. All the things that you would find <laughs> in 2010, like people driving really awkward mopeds to wearing, you know, certain types of clothing to listening to the shins way too much. It was that this is where this was the genesis point of that this 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 time in 2004. And I think we that we talked about it a little bit because it really was like especially white men, because that's really like who the movie is for. Mm -hmm. It's uh, like initially for them, they are primary audience, uh, primary audience. Um, and then like spread it out a little bit more to people of this age range. Like that is who this movie is for. But for the main audience, I think it's really split at this time between, uh, we talked about this, like people that were really uh, feeling like jarhead. Mm -hmm. And then on the other side were people really feeling like Andrew right. in Garden State. Like we're after post we're post 9-11. Mm -hmm. People have already like jumped into going to serve the their country. Yeah. Like and then the reaction is like this split between people just feeling like whether they went to college and then don't know what to do or they went to war and then don't know what to do. Like this Malaise, yeah. yeah. This ennui, this listlessness with life and purpose that, and, and I guess like there is that millennial sort of myth that we kind of. Geriatric millennials. <laughs> well, Don't put all of no, us no, in I, there. Because I think this is true for even younger millennials too, where it, it's like we, for older generations, you know, b boomers specifically, they were told the American dream is real and success is this. And they were able to buy a house and all these really fun things. And Generation X kind of rebelled against that. But still, those those economic possibilities were there. So I think they were able to turn into it a little bit after their rebelliousness kind of subsided. But for millennials, like we didn't really have that. And then so we were taught like, no, the American dream is real. You know, the suburbs are a place for families and and life and all this other things. But then they kind of became these vapid cultural centers of, of the United States where like, yeah, you have mothers on pills and, you know, a lot of people who may have mothers that are fucking their like neighbors or whatever, yeah. the pool boys and, uh, you know, divorce rates and all this other kind of context to, to, to that sort of gave you these bands and these this sound and this feeling of suburban kids who were just like, you know what I'm going to do? Like, I don't want to be like Fred Durst from Limp Bizkit anymore. I'm going to be quirky. And so they start putting like weird patches on their shirts and wearing, you know, bell bottom jeans again. Um, so speaking of quirky, I feel like this is also time to bring up a theme in this or a character that is like what epitomized mm -hmm. in this movie and epitomized that like po like this movie kind of launched that as well so kick it off because i know where you're going the manic pixie dream girl can i get some sound yeah effects? do we got a sound effect with that i don't know some twinkle sounds yes, yes. manic pixie dream girl 
she's so awesome because she's so quirky. She's so quirky. She doesn't. She can't do a lot of things, but damn it, she makes you smile when when the world is crap. And she makes you just want to be a better person, but like in a way that doesn't serve her at all. Yeah. It only serves you as a dude. Yeah. yeah. No, Natalie Portman. Let me kind of let's do one thing. Let's separate Natalie Portman and her performance versus the whole manic pixie dream girl thing that we can definitely get into. Did you think she did a decent job acting? Oh yeah, like she hit she hit the notes. Mm-hmm. She hit the notes that were written for her. I'm, I mean, with that, with the like asterisk that were written for her, this movie terribly written. I think he had like five quotes that he really wanted to say and then was scrambling to write a script around them. And we have a whole new like segment of our podcast because of this Mm -hmm. called Quote and React. And so we'll get into like what I believe those quotes were that he just needed to get in there. Like um, it was terribly, terribly written. So but for what the material is and what it's clear that they were going for, I think she hit the notes. Yeah. And and again, I think the character of Sam that is that that Natalie Portman plays, this is what gave us the um, Ramona Flowers, the Ramona Flowers, the 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 new girl television show, like all these movies later on 500 Days of Summer, the Zoe Deschanel's of the world. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I wear cat eye, you know, glasses because I'm quirky. Um, and and it, quirky it, is my whole personality. I have no personality other than oh, I'm quirky. Right, and and it kind of and and I don't want to let necessarily blame Natalie Portman for that because again, this was written and directed and starring uh, Zach Braff, but. Um, I think she be she made the 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 canon that would then be taken further and further for almost a decade, um, and all the way into the twenty early 2010s i don't know if that's kind of died yet uh maybe with the manic pixie dream girl sort of like backlash that came like around like 2013 2014 um but yeah like that whole you are a character who just serves this emotionally depressed annoying guy uh for some reason and you are really into him and are happy to just be really into him you get no character development really like you're you're there to to look good be desirable by other people like be desired by other people um but really just be into this like depressed dude for some reason um absolutely um let me I do want to kind of give some props, though, to uh, the other character here of Mark by Peter Sarsgaard. Sarsgaard. There is something that this film taps into. And I know a lot of friends of mine, uh, like shortly thereafter, when this movie came out, really were like, no, this movie's great. It kind of is, it's it's us. And, it, and that made me depressed even at the time uh, when I saw it, um, because this was your first time even hearing about the movie, seeing the movie. And so forth, and learning about it, and kind of seeing some of the responses, even online, that from people. Bro, who this love movie it. was a hard watch. We literally had to pause it several times, and not a hard watch in the same way that City of God was. Not at all. This movie was hard because it was like, oh my gosh, I really do not care about anybody in this movie. And there were several times we're like, should we even do this movie? Yeah. Like we were gonna just redo Treasure Planet. <sighs> <laughs> but uh, I think the thing with Mark is he is sort of emblematic of the f- 
person you remember and were kind of friends with who's back home if you left home. Your townie homie. Your townie homie. And it's like, what does he do? He kind of works as a grave digger. And you know what? He also does cocaine and ecstasy with questionably aged young women. Uh, Because what else is there to do in a town when you're in New Jersey? Um, I do want to say I want to push back on that. I think Jersey's a lot cooler than Garden State uh, makes it out to be. So shout out to Jersey. Uh, yeah, y'all got good calzones and all types of other things. So shout out to y'all. So you you like the ending. Uh, ex- elaborate on that. So I like the fact that, uh, you know, he's not numb anymore, mm-hmm. whatever. Um Natalie Portman's about to let him go, you know, back to L.A. I believe it's L.A. that mm-hmm. he's like he's there working, kind of trying to be a movie star. But then he decides to because um, that was the life that he had for like in his mind, kind of to be working towards. And he decides not to go back and he decides to stay with her, stay in his hometown and and make a life there, even though they don't have the answers as to what that life is going to be like. And I think that is the most mature thing about this movie. And that's what makes me feel like, OK, like there was some lesson, some lesson in this jumbo of mess. No, yeah. because they literally right before that, they're going around a dump yard to get a necklace that his best like that Mark fucking robbed off of his mom before burying her and then sold and then like decided that he felt bad at the last minute, literally the last day that Zach's supposed to be in town. Like, it's or, like hey, man, man I, my bad. Yeah, like, like, so we literally, and then they're screaming. Into the void. Into the void, but, like, it's into the edge of a dump yard. Like, so it's like they literally don't address anything, but then at the end, there's this moment of clarity and maturity where you decide that to move forward and bet on yourself even though you don't have things figured out. I'm going to give this this film a little bit of bail and this is just the smallest bit of bail but it's to it's more because of your point that I do agree with. I do like the ending where um the character uh decide Zach Braff's character decides to stay in Jersey with Natalie Portman. Um the majority of this film it just feels like it is th- th- led by depressed feelings and I understand that's kind of the point but then it also does this weird justification of like when you are in this nebulous listless state of of young adulthood where you're not quite sure if you're living to any sort of potential and you're just kind of out there um it ends with him at least finally making a choice because the the entirety of the movie he didn't really want to come back to even go to his mother's funeral he didn't want to really talk to his dad when his dad's like hey can we communicate about things that are going on he's it, it, but also it, fuck his dad so no totally fuck his dad uh and and most of the time when he's hanging out with Mark, it's just sort of Mark taking him on little adventures or Sam taking him on little adventures here and there. Uh, these little quirky romps where he kind of begins to feel for the first time. Is it because he stopped taking his medication and kind of got to actually experience life for the first time? Potentially. Is that toxic that he then decided to stay with Natalie Portman on like this impulsive decision? Probably. Uh, if I had to predict their relationship, it ended two to three months later. Nah, I'd give it at a calzone shop in Jersey. No, I'd give it five years. You gave him a five year. I'd say I'd give him five years and then stay forever if he knocked her up, like because he literally has nothing else. Mm. 
So potentially. Okay, I could see that. Uh, the ending, though, it does. It, I think to your point, it just does that. It, it's like he has to make a choice. He has. Like, to- is it the right choice? I won't say that. Like he. I don't I think that's the point it's kind of like there's there was no right or wrong choice like he was a mess he literally hadn't cried since he was five like he he's a fucking mess but but he's at a point where he can admit that and be working towards something and I feel like this with this making this choice claiming his life and I think it is a mature thing you know, like I said, a little jab, you know, like mm-hmm. not everyone needs to wait till they're 40 to commit to something <laughs> like people set out. Like there's people who um, like our parents, they bet on themselves and had nothing else. Your parents, your mom and dad got married out of high school and decided to leave the country first thing, like got in the military, your dad's been in the military, leave the country. Like my parents did like damn near the same thing. Like there's something to say about just betting on yourself yeah i think also in 2023 in this weird way re-watching this film it kind of made me think about like instagram culture and how you have individuals who now can live like curate a personality on social media through music tastes through quotes through like images of like wooded forests that are very damp for some reason uh and and also this idea of like connectivity i think in this weird way you have connectivity and yes thank you i think that's exactly what it is it's sort of faux connection and in 2004 when the internet wasn't at where it's at now it just became this sort of scape i don't want to say scapegoat because it is true like you know an overly medicated generation of kids you know it com- that complicates their lives but in the context of this film and this story, it's just what what do we what are we following? This guy has no backbone. He kind of doesn't really want to do anything. He's just really just being propelled through life on the whims of other people. And that's a very boring film. Like I said, hard to watch. Hard to watch. Um, Could but any- there's people. Oh. I will say there are there are lots of people who love this film. Yeah. Like. Are they white people that were 26 in 2004? It, probably. Maybe. Yeah. Like. I know a lot of people who, the people who I come across, especially cinephiles who love this movie, typically white people. Um, but I also feel like Zach Braff, when I was rewatching it, it's like I feel I can see what type of film he's trying to emulate more than him telling a story that's interesting so it's like it has like touches of like a harry met sally kind of thing yeah it has touches of like wes anderson quirky films and it but it's still just without any real heart behind it and you know the heart of the film is she's his um what's the holly from breakfast at tiffany's like Mm -hmm. she like that's you know a very vintage version of the Manic Pixie Dream Girl, Which may kind have of. been where it still originated, because we were talking about that. Like, where did that originate from? I don't the know. The super otherly... I, I just want to... Whenever I need to realize I'm not original, I need to do something weird that's never been done before. And, oop, I just did something. Yeah. Like, At least in the 80s, they made the Manic Pixie Dream Girl like a mermaid or a mannequin. 
who came to life and like changed the guy's life. You know what I mean? Like Splash. Yeah. <laughs> Blue yeah. Tom Hanks. Like now it's just like, oh, she's just lives across the tracks and she wears roller skates. And her hair's dyed purple this week. Yeah. Right. Um, could anything have saved this film, in your opinion? Um, I think if he had actually got a writer instead of I think he should have took his sticky notes and quotes and given them to an actual writer. And I think it could have been actually a good movie hmm. instead of him trying to do it himself. Let's talk about Zach Braff for a little bit. I'm going to say, yeah, I'm not a fan. I uh, even of his like scrub, you know, I like clips of scrubs. Mm -hmm. Cannot watch the show. He is annoying. And I have watched like all 19 seasons of Grey's Anatomy so I can get through some shit like but I could not watch Scrubs. Like, and, and then when we were watching this, I did realize something, like a couple things. And I think, like, I think he was the, like, original, um, I was to say Adam Kylo. Driver. Adam Driver. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say Kylo Ren. <laughs> yeah. He is, like, the original Adam Driver. Like, the, the what to do with this man who... Some people think is is very attractive, and other people see as a guy. I'm gonna say this. I think I will say Adam Adam Driver is more attractive. I'll just say that. As a lot of people so would agree even, with that. I think a lot of people would agree that Adam Driver is way more bangable 04, than Zach Braff. In 04, I think there were a lot of women that wanted to fuck Zach Braff and probably did because he seems I don't know easy. In my opinion, he just seems easy. But he has a he has a Wilderama Wilder Valderrama kind of esqueness to him from yeah. you know that '70s show, a Topher. That, that, yeah, that was that was yeah. a thing around that time. You just had these really random guys. Ashton Kutcher, even a little bit, was yeah. like. But at least Ashton, I don't know, had a better agent. Like I don't, I don't know. <laughs> well, Ashton also got really popping because of his fuckability. A lot of people put him in films because they just. But thought, he also had more fuckability. I mean, than Zach true. Rock, I mean. No, absolutely. So they and and I think there's a character type that used to be in films that I don't see around anymore, and it's like the Billy Crystal type, like Billy Crystal from When Harry Met Sally. The regular guy who happens to be awesome, right? And, and there's nothing like, wrong but with him. But he's still regular. Totally. Yeah. And now it's like we now you know who gets all those Billy Crystal parts is like Chris Pine and and uh, Homeboy from Lost City. Okay, and, and I'm, I'm not that's not a diss against Chris Pine. No, no, totally because we stand Chris Pine. Thank you. On that's this right, pod. best Chris. Let Thank it you. let it be. Listen, <laughs> let him. Okay, as as a Chris on okay. the pod. <laughs> Time oh my out. gosh! Okay, I'm this talking pod about is over on episode five. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in. No, but I hear you, Chris Pine, and I. I actually think Chris Pine is a great actor. Uh, I think he's got the chops. But it's like now we're in this era where you have to like be almost like a model, like even to play the regular guy to play regular or Jonah Hill. And 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 I mean Jonah Hill was in that one film that we just saw recently uh, with you people. Yes. And a but, lot of people flame that because like, why would she be with him? They didn't have no chemistry. They didn't have that. That's all debatable and, and stuff like that. But I think, again, it's like it's a film where why can't you just have regular looking people in a film? You know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, I think that's a if we're going to be like big critiques of Hollywood, I think that's going to be a different podcast. It's like also, why don't we see older women? Like totally. there's there's just these bullshit things about Hollywood Honestly, if there was one thing that I think could fix this movie, 
I really wanted more of Sheldon, the, I forget his actual name, but the actor who plays Sheldon in Big Bang Theory. Oh, who was fucking Mark's mom. Who was banging Mark's mom. That and was one of the best scenes. That, the, that, the they back had and forth. chemistry. And also the fact that I didn't know what was going on at first. Like, it took me a while to be like, wait. Is he fucking his mom? Like, yeah. whose mom is that? Wait, because I thought it was his mom. Wait, no, that's his. Oh, he's fucking his mom. Okay. Yeah. Like, and so that's why I would say, like, that is one of the best scenes in the movie. And it is literally as simple as a breakfast scene. Like, and that's why I was like, I think that was a sticky note moment. And uh, it was right. one of the scenes he had in his head that was actually thought out. And then all the other bullshit had to be drag to connect the dots. Yeah. So, I mean, well, we agree that like more money is not going to fix this movie. Like, and we agree that it's problematic in its treatment of women, like with the man in Pixie Dream Girl. Is there anything else that's problematic? I think to it's you? treatment of mental health at the time. We've come a long way, I think. And I, and I think that was something that was mentioned. It was very blase about, it, yeah, it was, about it was, medication, about mental mm-hmm. health, about disabilities in general. Yeah. Yeah. It was very, it was still at that time where mental health was kind of still taboo. You know, there were a lot of R words. Yeah. Heavy on the R word dropping, uh, which was like, I, sometimes I do. I'm like, good man. I'm just glad that we're like, we've kind of gotten better as a people. But I did not realize seeing Natalie Portman, Queen Amidala, dropping R words in succession like that was so many jarring. She, so many times. I was like, damn, no, like just use a synonym, please, for the sake of Star Wars. Back to the writing. Shout out Zach. Like, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Uh, also, there was a humongous lack of diversity. There was probably two black people in the whole film, which. Again, One of them was ambiguously raced. Like it was. A, she could have been Dominican. She could have been Jamaican. We weren't sure. Yeah. But she had an accent. And then the other one, it was problematic, is Natalie Portman's adopted as an adult. Yeah. A brother who like and literally they make a point to say like, no, look at him now. He's he's studying at Rutgers. And, you know, oh, he was one of those babies with flies over his face. Yeah. Like. The fuck? Straight and then also though. out of Natalie Portman's mouth. Mm-hmm. It was jarring. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cause I do you stand Natalie Portman? Because I do. I don't know about Stan, but I I, I like her. She cool, you know. I, I fucks she, with Natalie Portman. She, is she a cool chick, you know? Would we would this film do better as a remake? I'm gonna say it has been remade time and time again because it led to this whole trove of films afterwards some that are better than others and maybe we'll make a list and post it on our ig page or something of like all the manic pixie dream girl movies and rank them but you have your you have your 500 days of summer there's a film that i love that came out four years later called the whackness josh peck is in the whackness that is uh, that's sort of this weird twist on the manic pixie dream girl uh, in a good way, I think. Is he a manic pixie dream boy? No. What it is, is it's that idea. It, it gets real. It's like, don't put the manic pixie dream girl on a pedestal because... She will wreck your life because she is unstable. Yeah. Like, and, <laughs> yeah. And it's like, bro, you don't know her. Like, it's a summer. You don't know her. You know what I mean? And like, that's kind of what it leads to. And he actually ends up having... Back to fathers who are psychologists. Her father is his therapist and he sells drugs to his therapist for like free or, you know, for, for therapy. Uh, that's a good, I think, Manic Pixie Dream Girl movie. 500 Days of Summer, I, I actually would have say the remake to this uh, film that was good was Silver Linings Playbook. 
I think you have mental health, you have um, coming back home, sort of that weirdness of but it. But also bumped up the age to like mid 30s. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it works a lot better. He doesn't. Besides, I think that's the reason why he made himself like medicated since nine is because it's like at 26. It's like you're not hit by that much depression just yet. I think for the most part, most people are still like partying rather than having early midnight crisis. 26 is definitely. I think if yeah. they had made it like 28 to 30, it would have been more believable. I could see that. All right. And uh, let's kind of move on to quote and react real quick, because I'm really excited. This is something that we're trying uh, this pod because this film just had some terrible writing. So Neek went on ahead and grabbed a couple quotes from this film and uh, we just want to chew on it. And let's see not only what we think, but maybe what you think. Let us know in the the, the comments whenever we post this on IG. Uh, Neek, what's the first quote? So the first quote is going to be uh, this from the uh, psychiatrist he sees in town that's not his father. I'm in no position to comment on whether you should stay on meds or not, since I don't know your story. But my opinion, since you're paying for it, is that, yeah, those drugs may help you as a means to an end. But sooner or later, if you're not in some form of therapy, whatever's going on in your head will find a way to peek its little head out of the water. And that's by Dr. Cohen. I'm going to say that quote is an underrated favorite, actually, because I remember that part in, in the film. Uh, I really rocked with that. I think that was probably the best line that that not that gave actual direction in a healthy way to a character who was in need of direction. Exactly. I think this was it like I think this was one of the quotes. Like I said, I feel like he had some quotes. I feel like he had a couple sticky notes of scenes and then the rest of it was a mess to to string it together. And so I think this scene was actually very important, very impactful for the character. And the like this is one of the ones that people who love this movie point to the scene as a way to validate their love for it, you know? Mm -hmm. All right. Quote number two, lay it on me. I mentioned, like, I referenced this earlier, but it's from Sam. Uh, do you know what I do when I feel completely unoriginal? I make a sound or I do something that no one has ever done before. And then I feel unique again. And even if it's only for a second. That's a flop. Yeah, that's a flop. That's a, that's a, that's a flop. I'm going to just say uh, Zach Braff writing women's parts in his films needs to stop immediately. So another quote from Sam. If you can't laugh at yourself, life's going to seem a whole lot longer than you'd like. What do you do? You laugh, you know. I'm not saying I don't cry, but in between, I laugh. I'm going to say that's, uh, that's mid- Really? Like, I think that no. was I think this scene and then he kind of erases it all by having the friends come in and like basically bullshit all over it. But I think he did have a scene and I think this is where he almost made Sam a real person instead of just a manic pixie dream girl. Like he I think this is the closest to her being a whole person was that, you know, the conversation around that quote and in that scene. Okay. Um, you got one more. I do have one more. Hit me. Also from Sam. Sam, yeah, talks a lot. Sam does talk a lot, but, you know, that's the But that's, that's also because Andrew <laughs> is like, yeah, he, she is the manic. Andrew is the, Depressed. you know, yeah, the worst. Um, so you're in it right now, aren't you? My mom always says that when you see 
when she sees I'm working something out in my head, she's like, you're in it right now. And I'm looking at you and you're telling me this story. You're definitely in it right now. I'm going to say that's a flop. It was a flop. No. I feel like she was trying to, like, it was one of those, like, see, I feel like that encompasses the whole movie. Oh, yeah. Trying to say something, succeeding. Eh. It encompasses 2004 <laughs> to 2011, where this is like the music that also was coming out at that time, where it was just sort of like, it did it rock, kind of? Did it go hard? Not really. Did they have some lyrics that were just sort of like all over the place and nebulous and you could just project your own sort of ideas onto? Totally. And I think that's the same thing with that line right there. It's like hearing you read it out loud after like seeing the film and hearing Natalie Portman say it, you weren't that far off from how she like uh played the role thank you that's how i was, that's what I was going for thank you thank no you. you you hit it that was that was a home run um and and still hearing you say it out loud i'm just like yeah it's like and, a and bunch so, of nothing and that's what i think <laughs> this film is it's like when you kind of run into random people whether it be at a bar at a coffee shop and you're like oh this person seems interesting and then after like five minutes of talking to him you're like this person is totally not interesting so yeah i think that encapsulates the film perfectly um all right so uh what or who do we put, if anything, from this film that we have certifiably <laughs> roasted uh, on a pedestal? Um, um, uh, I'm going to say that, I'm, like I said, there's literally like one thing. I'll say uh, it'll be a tie between uh, Dr. Cohen, that mm. one scene that we just talked about, that, uh, and then the ending, because, you know... Love conquers all. I'm, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. If you got to put something on a pedestal, I'm going to actually say Natalie Portman getting a check. That's, you know, I, we I do support that. Yeah. Get paid. And, you know, again, she became the prototype for what would then ultimately become a very problematic trope in, in films. Um, I don't blame her for that. And uh, she played it like a fiddle, man. She did great. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to put Natalie on there. You are the crown jewel of this hot piece of ass called uh, Garden State. Not hot piece of ass. Hot piece of shit. Okay. I meant like sweaty, gross ass. You okay. Not, like yeah, not, like, ass not like a hot piece of ass. Not like a hot piece of ass. I meant like, <laughs> you know, creep mode. I meant like, like hot, sweaty truck stop ass. That's what this film was. This 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 film was was trucker ass off the New Jersey Turnpike after sitting in in a seat for like eighteen hours cross country, uh, and eating flapjacks at a Flying J's. That's what it was. Yeah. All so, right. So. Kevin said it more succinct. But Jersey, it up we love you again. If you have not watched it, it is on HBO Max, soon to be Max, and uh. Yeah, I'm sure you can catch it other places, you know, Amazon, uh, Prime Video, and uh, Google. If TV. you want to, I don't think our pod helped any rental subscriptions. Bro, going I really up at don't all. think you should. Don't waste your money. Find the clips that are kind of good on YouTube. Actually, if you find, <laughs> yeah, if you watch Garden State and find yourself in this and you like this film, let us know why. Let us know in the comments when we yeah. post up about it, because we're curious. What did you like? What? Did, how did it speak to you? And, like, try to remove any sort of personal narrative from it. Just be like, nah, this was a good movie. And, like, don't project. Anyway, uh, what do we got uh, coming up down the pipe? 
coming soon on video and DVD. Next week, we're going to switch it all the way up. We will be talking about League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. That's right. We're getting literary on this. So, until then, thank you to Gemini's production. Thank you, Neek. Thank you, Roos. This was a, a good time roasting... Uh, a the bad movie. Hey. Roasting Garden State, the film, but never Garden State, New Jersey. We ride for you. Do we? Uh, we ride for them. Yeah, we Shit. don't. We, hey, shout out to Roddy. Uh, shout out to New Jeru. Shout out to Newark, Brick City. I see you. Uh, Perth Amboy, I see you. Uh, I know what none of these mean. Yeah. We there. We there. Uh, <laughs> uh, All right. Rutgers, love you. All right. Peace this out. This has been underrated favorites like all of those cities apparently yeah so <laughs> yo when y'all come shooting at us shoot at her she said it we live in the same house it is what it is <laughs> a win's a win anyway we out we love y'all bye, bye.